The figures that the Lord gives us in the readings for today are revealing where the grace of God is working in order to heal something within our hearts that is attached to a great lie that was spoken in the beginning. And we feel the effects of that to this day. And the lie goes like this, the lie of the garden. God is withholding something from you that you need to flourish as a human being and become all that you can be. God is keeping from you the knowledge of good and evil that would make you wise. God does not have your best good and interests at heart. So you must take life into your own hands and grasp at freedom. Just take that fruit. No harm will come to you. You will not die. You don't need God's help and you don't have to ask God. Just take it. And this is exactly what they did. They took life into their own hands and they did it their way. And this has been the downfall of the fallen human race ever since then. Satan is always trying to twist the truth. And he twisted the image of God to be presented as a father who is against us, who is somehow competing with our human flourishing and happiness. And this helps us to understand our own struggle, why it is so hard for us to trust God and to trust our whole life and give it all over to Him we struggle so badly with this. I went to a graduation uh, years ago, and you know there's that song that is always played. It's a pretty popular song that's played at those occasions. You know the refrain. I did it my way. That attitude is the complete opposite of the Gospel. And this has been our problem doing it our way. Let me give you a list of fruits from a, a, a popular Catholic evangelist, Matthew Kelly, to describe what happens when a people does it their way, that no longer seeks God and His will, but just does it their way. Let me give you a list of what that looks like. He says, we have taller buildings but shorter tempers. We spend more but have less. We buy more and enjoy it less. We have bigger houses but smaller families. More conveniences but less time. We have more degrees but less common sense. We, uh, we have more knowledge but less judgment. More experts yet more problems 
More medicines, yet less health. We drink too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, and drive too fast. We get angry too quickly, we stay up way too late, get up too tired, read too seldom, watch too much TV, and pray too little. We have multiplied our possessions, but we have reduced our values. We have higher incomes, but lower morals. We've learned how to make a living, but not how to live life. We've added years to life, but not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but have trouble crossing the street to meet our new neighbor. We have conquered outer space, but not the inner space of our hearts. We've done larger things, but not always better things. We've cleaned up the air, but we are constantly polluting our souls. We plan more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We have more food, but less fulfillment. More acquaintances, but fewer friends. There is greater world peace, but more domestic violence. We have more leisure in our life, but less enjoyment of life. There are these are the days of two incomes and fancier houses, but more broken homes. Our culture is becoming increasingly too busy, too noisy, and its pace too fast. Does that ring any bells? This is all I had to look forward to. That moment in my life before I fell into the arms of God, this is all I had to look forward to. And I had already made a mess of my life. And why? Because I did it my way. I was not seeking the will of God. I was not asking God for help in the decisions that I was making for my life. And so the Scriptures give us these beautiful figures. Samuel, whose heart is so open to God. It is so available and ready to do whatever God wants. And those first disciples that follow Jesus, we know what quickly happens. They spend that time with Jesus and they come to know something so beautifully profound that they are willing to let go and leave everything in order to surrender their life completely over to God, to Jesus, and just follow Him, not worried about anything. All of this is revealing one clear thing. And this is what heals the lie that God is a God of infinite love. This is what Adam and Eve separated themselves from. God is infinite in His love. They separated themselves from someone who loved them far more than they could ever love themselves. God is infinite good. They separated themselves from a good that is far greater than any good that you and I could ever conceive. 
And that therefore, God is worthy of our complete confidence, trust, and to surrender our lives over completely to Him. And to let God guide our lives and to believe that God is a plan. And that plan is way better than ours. When I was sitting there, seventh, seventh grade, in my bell-bottoms and plaid shirt, and you know, those of, who are my age, those bell-bottoms had to touch the ground, right? Otherwise, you weren't cool. And of course, God bless my mother. She would dry the heck out of those things. So some of those mornings before school, I'm stretching another inch out of those bell-bottoms so I don't look like a doofus. But as I was sitting there, falling asleep in history class, dreaming about becoming a famous rock star, did I know that God had a plan for my life? When I launched into college right out of high school and signed up for a degree in petroleum engineering. Why? Because it made a lot of money. After all, in my life, that was the most important thing. Did I believe and know at that moment that God had a plan for my life that was way better than mine? When I was seriously dating and contemplating marriage, was I clinging to that choice so hard that I was not open to the possibility of another vocation in God's will? Now the fact that I'm standing here is proof that God had a different plan than I had. And I loved God's plan. I could never have conceived this. I, this was not on my radar. Not in a million years would I have ever thought about being a priest. And yet, if I had ten lifetimes, I would live each one of them as a priest. Even with all the challenges that come. When we receive this faith, that truly knows God as Jesus Christ reveals Him, we will begin to surrender our wills, our lives over to God. When this happens, this is when a young person begins to ask God what college they should go to. I know youth, I know youth who have decided their college primarily because of the vibrant Catholic community on campus because that, they felt, was God's will. When a youth receives this vision of God, this is when they invite God in the decision for their vocation in life, for the career that they might pursue in college. God, what do you want? What is your plan for my life? Draw me. Give me desires. This is when young people discern whether they should marry or consider another vocation. And if they should marry, they'd say to God, God, find me a spouse. And they start praying for the spouse they haven't even met yet. God, I believe that you love me more than myself, that you have a plan for my life. You choose. You guide me. Is this moment when we receive this vision where a couple will invite God into the choices about planning a family. How many children? Or when a couple needs to buy a home. God, 
find a house for us. Show us what neighborhood you want us to live in. And so forth and so on. God is inviting us to believe that He loves us so utterly and completely that His good for us is so much better than ours that He wants us to trust and to surrender our life and our will completely into His hands on a daily basis, not just once, but several times a day. Because we make that gift once and then we take it back We need to keep making it and to let God surprise us with a life and a dream that is so wonderful and beautiful. I didn't say easy, but so much more wonderful and beautiful than we could ever imagine. Let us do that now on this altar as we prepare for the Eucharist. Let us place everything on this altar. Amen.